Hello and welcome to the Wolf Den Podcast, your home for competitive Digimon TCG discussion and news. I'm your host, Nako, joined by my co-host, Sanitsu. This week, we will be discussing interaction in the Digimon card game, how it currently has been implemented, and how it could be expanded upon in the future. Listen to us on your favorite podcast networks, available now on Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon. Link in the description below, or find us at Wolf Den Digimon TCG. And also, this is going to be streamed live on twitch.tv slash Zenitsu, so follow me there so that way you can stay up to date when I go live. And this is also going to be recorded as a video posted on the YouTube channel of Zenitsu. Uh, our viewer question of the week is, should cards be errated instead of banned or restricted? Uh, short answer, no. Um, like, I'm only saying short answer, no, because I think the intention is errata as in update patch notes, where let's retroactively change what the card does uh, in order to not necessarily fix the problem with the card itself, like, oh, this was just translated wrong, we need to fix that, but as in, oh, this is too powerful for, let's just say it's cost, let's just change the cost to make it more in line uh, with something that it should be. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that because that's just a lot of extra work and extra steps in terms of memorizing, oh, I have this card, it's written one way, I don't have an updated version if there even was one, so let's just you know, hope and pray that everyone remembers what my card does, even myself. Um, I think that's just really, really bad. I know Dragon Ball Super, as a big example, they do actually do this, where they do change cards to fit more in line with the meta based on the new stuff that's coming out. But I hate it. I hate memorizing this stuff. It's easier to memorize what few cards I can't play than it is memorizing a whole list of new cards on top of the cards that I can't play with um cards that are actually retroactively changed yeah uh that's a fairly good summary of my idea as well i do know that people have proposed similar concepts before with um oh you know just you know make the hybrids digivolve for three instead of one or um make it so that uh mega digimon fusion can't be used on level 7 Digimon, or, you know, th there are ways to, to nerf a card to make it more balanced and therefore not worthy of ban but or restriction. But at the same time, then you run into the problems that you mentioned, where you have this card that, as you're reading it, as it is printed, held in front of you, is wrong by its, you know, interpretation for the playing of the game, and that's just not a place you really ever want to be, just because even if it makes it so that you don't have to ban cards necessarily, you then have to memorize this whole subset and keep, you know, make sure your phone's open to the errata page while you're playing so that when your opponent plays, I know it was it's been brought up before, like their cool boy costs, you know, three or four, but it says, you know, two right on the card, and you have to show your opponent the web page. And anyone that's played any of the more mechanically complex decks um like anyone who's played with or against venusmon as an example trying to explain venusmon's effect and how it can be triggered and how it cannot be triggered and when it's applied and when it's not applied is already complicated enough i don't also need to 
digivolve into something and then say, oh, okay, well, this says it does this, but it actually does this now because it was too strong, so they had to change it. That and in big events, that just takes time. And yeah. some people are already having a time issue with slow play. And now that you're taking this extra time to explain an errata, it, it's just, it's not going to work. Yes, they could do a revision pack, but then you have to make that accessible to literally everyone. And then, like, you still also have the old version of the cards still floating around. So now that causes confusion on which is the correct version and which is the incorrect version. Yeah. Uh, as far, like, by the literal interpretation of errata, obviously they should still print cards that are just correct the first time. Um... You know, I, I really don't think in a you know multi-million dollar card game that we're playing right now, you know, it's a premier franchise. This isn't some guy in his basement coming up with creatures that evolve into each other. This is, you know, a fully fleshed out, you know, nationalized franchise. And so we should have proper card texts that are properly translated and do what they are supposed to do by the designer's intent and by their wording so that we don't end up in issues where we have to errata things. And we also shouldn't be in a situation where if somebody plays, you know, the most recent printing of Imperial German and by the, you know, the strictest interpretation of the rule set, my opponent has a level five Digimon and they Digivolve from that level five Digimon into Imperial German. And I call a judge because it states on the card it can only Digivolve from a level five green Digimon, not a level five green Digimon. Uh, so that that green Digimon is not green, and therefore that's an uh, invalid evolution, based on the fact that they forgot the R on the most recent printing of the card. Correct, because it was correct before, because they didn't have to write that out, and now that it is written out and it's written it wrong, like it, it's just a huge mess that we we really don't want to deal with. So, uh, that's my take. And, uh, just to add another anecdote on the topic, um, Magic the Gathering, as my common example, they've been around now for 30 years, and they don't, they've literally errata, uh, a card or a system once, to my knowledge, I'm not aware of everything, but... They, they pretty much exclusively stick to the all-or-none system of bans, where either the card is banned and not allowed, or it is allowed in maximum amount of cards you could normally run for that given format. And to do they do that because changing cards would you'd encounter the issue that we described. And But they did have to do that exactly once, and it's still you know, a pressure pain point of the uh, community where they had to change the companion mechanic as a whole they didn't change uh, specific cards, they just kind of changed all of the companion cards. And by changing the text of companion and how the mechanic interacts with decks, uh, it's for the first time in 30 years now that a printed card just doesn't do what it says anymore, which is also the situation we're trying to avoid with erratas, or by not including erratas, because now if I'm playing Magic with my friend and you know, there's reminder text that says, you know, Companion does this. It, it just doesn't do that anymore. It doesn't say what it literally reads on the card, which is the worst case scenario. Yep. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, it's not a perfect world, and there's no real perfect solution to these problems. But uh, that's why 
I really like what we currently have with the ban and restriction list, and they only errata cards that were basically translated incorrectly. I know recently we had a big batch of that, but hopefully in the future uh, they try to implement more revision packs to be able to uh, reprint the card, make them more accessible to players, so that way uh, we could get more of the corrected text out there, um, and we could just, you know, have as enjoyable of a card game as we can, and hopefully in the future they could just make fewer and fewer of those types of mistakes. So today's major topic concerns ourselves with the idea of interaction and what it means to the card game, what current uh, ways that interaction has been implemented, uh, how you can interact with your opponent in the different ways you can interact with your opponent, and ways that it could be expanded on in the future. I know um, people like to think of things that can be added or things that can be changed. And it's just kind of a fun idea to talk about a generality of a type of mechanic as opposed to, you know, as it like uh, Zenitsu and Ride covered in the last episode, like a banner restriction announcement. It's still more of a thought piece, but it still has some bearing in the weight as far as how it affects the card game and the way it's played currently. Yeah, I mean, like, we've seen they're trying to add more interaction and more defensive options into the game uh, since this new blocker wave or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it. It's the technical term that they use is block. We are in block two. And we saw this with the experimentation of Bagra Army, where you have a lot of text-based effects that are trying to slow down the opponent when they do particular things. The idea is you're just going to have a whole wide field of Digimon that are then going to be able to uh, text the opponent whenever they do something that is triggerable by those Digimon. Um, we see more interaction in um, BEX3, the format that we're currently in, with something like Slayer Digimon, where at the start of the opponent's main phase, that's really wordy, but that's when the ability triggers. It's a very unique way to interact with the opponent, forcing them to do something uh, and playing around this type of effect. Like, this type of effect, the way it's designed and the deck that it's supposed to go in, kind of does limit what the opponent wants to do out of raising if they don't already have a Digimon on the field. That's where Examon really shines and, uh, like, takes advantage of that type of playstyle. Uh, we see in um, BT11, we get a whole slew of other interactions. Like, we get more Bagger armies to do all those taxing type stuff, um, and then we get cards like Rena, where uh, she's going to trigger uh, all forces when digivolving ability, and then the intended all forces when digivolving abilities play tamer. And then we have a lot of different tamers with really good on play abilities in blue for us to then interact with the opponent during their turn. Uh, so we are slowly getting more and more interaction. Just another example of this, uh, not to beat a dead horse, is something like Phoenix Mon, where it's taking a page from um, Hina, where it uses its on Digivolve as like on delete effects. So it's changing the on delete effect written on the card to when Digivolve. So now when the opponent tries to delete the Digimon, you then still get to do stuff during the opponent's turn, punishing them for doing that type of a thing. So these are all just newer examples of ways that we're going to be able to interact with the opponent. And we have more ways coming down the line um, based on just 
the future sets that we know of. I'm just picking the next one because it's more obvious because that's the one we're going to be entering in. Yeah. I think it's important to distinguish the kind of two schools of interaction in cards that I think are currently available. Um, there are the cards that are effects that you apply to your opponent that change the way that they play the game, either through making them pay an additional cost, either through uh, preventing them from doing things, and those kinds of cards are pretty few and far between, and even fewer in them being good. Um, you know, stuff like Venusmon is something that its type of effect is seen fairly rarely as far as its ability to okay your opponent your your digimon you know with modified security attack cannot attack they can't activate when digivolving abilities they can't activate when attacking abilities or they can't attack this digimon they can still attack but they can't activate when attacking they can't activate when digivolving and they can't attack venuspawn that changes the you know the general rules of the game that your opponent is playing because your opponent can't just do their turn you know into a wall completely ignoring your side of the board as digimon has historically been played where you know um i think the first iteration stuff like that was kind of like ice wall or taxing like effects it just allowed them to play their game with an extra cost associated. This is the first time it's it's truly removing things um, from capabilities that we even see that kind of expanded upon in the uh, like the Hina Dragons lineup with the on-play effect of Metallic Dramon. So. You know, on play, Digivolve 1, all of your opponent's Digimon, delete an opponent's Digimon with a play cost of 5 or less. If none are deleted, your opponent's unsuspended Digimon, um, none of your opponent's suspended Digimon can Digivolve. So it's, again, changing the rules by which they're operating outside of your turn. Because it's something that I've historically not been a huge fan of, the fact that while the decisions I make and the actual lines of play that i enact over the course of a game may change depending upon my opponent ultimately if i'm in an advantageous position or if i have the cards i want to have and i'm seeing uh the lines of play that i want to be aiming towards you can for the most part in many scenarios completely disregard your opponent outside of the rng slash variance of security yeah like we also had uh, blockers from like the very early beginning of the game, and it's not like blockers went away or became irrelevant. How blockers became relevant or irrelevant has changed throughout the course of the game's uh, progression and evolution. Like before, it was just in your level 4 slot, they had this specific stat line, and then that was kind of it, and we got to a point where uh, we just bypass or kill it, so it's not like it mattered anyway. And then uh, there was this lull where 
we didn't really have any other ways to actually defend because we didn't have those tools in place. So now we're getting more and different tools in place to be able to grant and give blocker to the higher stage Digimon. So that way those are a little bit more impactful and they wall out better some of the lower stage Digimon. So it kind of like acts as this like really weird checks and balance to try to uh, still have some ability to defend against the opponent during their turn. And then, like I said before, we're getting more effects that are triggering on the opponent's turn to be able to do stuff. Like from BT5, we had uh, Sakuyamon, where Digimon moves out of raising, and then here's this debuff on the opponent's Digimon that I am granting the card. I have to specifically state that I am granting this, um, so that way you, the opponent, knows exactly what's happening to your card. Uh, we see this in uh, another form with Lilithmon uh, from BT11, uh, again, coming in the next set, where it does something very similar. Move out of raising. Cool. Uh, here's losing three memory. Uh, we saw this with Tamers as well, where it's just like, cool, move out of raising, lose two memory. Uh, or I killed a, a one of your Digimon. Cool, I get a draw card. Or I'm, again, taxing some of your attacks and facts. So there's still some level of interaction and uh, the more tools that we have, the more it's going to be expanded upon on what is actually capable about trying to interact with the opponent. Not saying Digimon should be completely devoid of interaction, it's just the way Digimon interacts because of the memory system needs to be completely different than anything I've really encountered in any other game. So, the other half of my idea of interaction is the negative aspect it almost mechanically but also kind of literally based on its reception uh there are we've we've just kind of covered a bunch of cards that just say like you can do this but you pay this or you you can't do that the inverse is the uh it's basically you know uninteraction so i don't think that's a word but um the slew of cards that we've had that just add you know, as we've basically referred to it as protection, but it really is, is it reduces layers of interaction. You know, if my Digimon cannot be deleted, my Digimon cannot be DP reduced, my Digimon cannot be returned to hand or deck, or just reducing, you know, choice and option as far as my opponent's ability to interact and, you know, destroy or remove my Digimon. So as we see these kind of other side effects move into play you have to be able to play around the you know more plentiful and kind of the early examples of the uninteraction of cards and but we're also seeing those kinds of cards going away a little bit due to their uninteractive nature you know something like alphamon being a a big boss digimon that can't be dp reduced because of its level five completely changes a, a format where you just kind of saw dp reduction as a mechanic disappear for a whole set it didn't get any worse it wasn't you know the, didn't make uh Vibrant's breath any worse of a card as far as what it literally does but if there's a whole deck that wyvern's breath might as well read you know uh flip the top card of security and fuck myself i might as well not run that level of interaction and right now, we kind of see this with uh, some of the top decks that uh, were doing well in BT11 in Japan with uh, Metal Greymon, uh, or not Metal Greymon. Well, Metal Greymon does add 
the protection metal Greymon x antibody more specifically um but also uh Greymon x antibody in the black war Greymon deck like it basically just it can't be deeper reduced it can't be de-digivolved it can't be this it can't be that it can't be bounced it can't be tucked uh it's just a lot of extra layers of protection and that changes the landscape of what we're allowed to be able to do which is why decks like Jespon or Grandis Kawagamon are actually pretty good into it because they have the few instances of this is how we remove cards that you don't have protection against. Um, and we see that right now in EX3 with Metal Garurumon where you can't really attack into Metal Garurumon because he has battle protection. So decks like, again, Jespon and Grandis Kawagamon don't really exist as much as they generally would because... There's nothing that you can do about battle protection when that is the main form of protection that's being ran in uh, the current meta environment. And you also have to just consider the comparative costs associated with these interactions because, as as I mentioned before, it, it can warp the entire uh, space of a format. So I know Axamon has seen more results than the last time we discussed it, but it's still kind of underperforming to what we had originally expected it to come into play as, you know, the first instance of interturn interaction via the form of a control deck that makes a big boss monster that changes the way that you play the game and, and honestly can take away your win conditions in a lot of ways, especially when you're a deck like uh, Melga X or Jessmon or even, you know, Black War Greymon, these kinds of decks that rely upon leaving Raising, you know, going into another Digimon, doing something. If I stop you before you can, via Examon's, you know, forced attack, the goad effect, but Examon doesn't become a meta presence to the uh, capability it could because you also can get rid of Examon for five memory in the form of just return it to hand so its comparative costs associated with building up this big moss monster are just completely null and uh mitigated by the ability that it doesn't have that protection and it the removal is basically more efficient than the actual boss monster itself and that's kind of like the dangerous fine line that like adding layers of interaction uh, needs to take in, which is why Digimon is doing it so slowly, is because they don't want to just completely make something on accident that's going to, like, damage the game as a whole. Uh, like, everyone hates security control, but security is still one of the, uh, I don't want to say more interactive ways, but security is something that usually you're not triggering yourself. Um, so you are still doing something on the opponent's turn. It's something that all decks are going to have to fight through, or most decks are going to have to fight through. Um, and that's kind of why it's still just pretty good. Uh, even though, like, it is, again, a skill check. It's forcing errors out of the opponent in trying to get them into a bad position based on them being afraid, based on the removals that you're playing with and the control that you have and the interaction that you're trying to force out of the opponent. Um, so, like, there's subtle interactions um, that are just changing how the opponent is going to perceive 
how the game is going to play it. And then there's more direct and impactful ones where it's just like, okay, here's this debuff on your field. You can't do anything about it. Uh, you're going to have to play your turn out differently than you initially thought. Good luck. Um, versus like the mind games of should I attack security? Is it going to be what I need to see? Or is it going to completely and utterly destroy me? So, um, and like if we don't want to see something like Yu-Gi-Oh! Hand Traps where it's just like, here is basically just the ability out of nowhere to shut you off. Your turn is done. Uh, good luck. Have fun. Now it's my turn and I get to completely wreck and body you just because I had this one specific card in my hand. Um, that's something I don't think a lot of players like and it creates really bad moments. And that's something Digimon generally is trying to avoid as of like as a whole. Yeah. Um I I really don't want to just c come back from my uh hiatus and immediately just shit on security control again, but it is security is I think the largest form of interaction that you experience in the average Digimon game. I mean, how many games are won or lost without you actively attacking an opponent's Digimon, playing a card that destroys an opponent's Digimon, or or the like. There, there are a decent amount of games that I've played that, depending on the deck you're running, especially if you are one of the more aggressive, more flavor-of-the-month options, where Melga's entire game plan is to win the game without even knowing your opponent is there. And that's something that there are very few tools outside of security control that kind of stop that. And it's why people have started to gravitate and see success with security troll, because if the only time I can interact with you on my turn or on your turn is through my security, then I will play the deck that, you know, puts the most power into that variance and puts the most power into that technical level of interaction because comes out of raising so it was protected it comes out of raising it's now protected again via its own effect and it swings and it doesn't matter and it restands and it swings again and all of that if you're running a standard ratio of digimon or option cards and your goal is to try to win the game through your own digimon's merit then 80 to 90 percent of the time Metal Guru is just going to run over that security and hit, okay, I swing over your level 4, I swing over your level 5. Oh, yeah, I hit a level 6, you know, trash some sources, and now I win the game. And if security control has to be the only way that you can interact with something like a Metal Guru Ramon, that's, that's a problem. Because the game just needs more interaction so that you don't have to devoid to the most, you know, cancerous extreme just to play the game or at least see some success in beating the opponent through your own merit. Because as it stands right now with the level of speed and the level of safety coming from a deck like Metal Garuruman, there's nothing you can do to stop your opponent from doing whatever they want to do. And their goal is just to, again, pretend that you don't exist. And that's why we're slowly seeing cards like Hydramon, 
where like one of the reasons why bloom lord is probably doing so well in the meta as literally the second slash third best deck depending on who you're asking uh is because of hydromon's ability to interact with the opponent all turns once per turn when an opponent's digimon becomes suspended literally either from your card effect or the opponent just swinging and using their digimon for each suspended digimon with plant vegetation and fairy and their traits that you have gain one memory so again it's it's taxing the opponent for a specific action really punishing them making them think how can i deal with this card or the situation might end up being south for me um and then it also has the ability to just take advantage of the fact that now the opponent's digimon suspended cool we're just going to also bot deck it because of that uh it happens at the end of your turn not the end of the opponent's turn but the fact that you still have an ability that's triggering during the opponent's turn that's shutting down what the opponent could possibly do uh is what's making that deck uh have more success especially against metal gururumon and some other decks that generally like to attack a lot so i guess you know the logical next step is where what can we add where can we go from here and so how do you add safely again without breaking the game breaking the system because um, I don't want to see hand traps. I don't want to see, even as much as I love playing control in other card games, counter spells, the like. Um, just ways to uh, play your game and remove your opponent's ab ability to ignore you. To maybe have some level of interaction to where my memory passes to my opponent's side it becomes their turn, but I still have something I can do. And I I think we've we've mentioned it before, either uh, on a previous episode or just, you know, Zenitsu and I just spitballing ideas of things we would potentially want to see added to the card game and how we would potentially implement them. But just utilizing just entirely current mechanics, some form of a delay option card to where you could do something uh, on your opponent's turn. And I, and I think the, the important part to include for this interaction is choice, because it's something that still, even with the level of interaction that Digimon still has, there's very little choice when it comes to the uh, order of operations of effects, especially not on your turn. So something like Examon, you know, all turns. Um, that's the that's the actual Examon ability. The Slayer Mon inheritable. Um, start of opponents by suspending. You know, your opponent attacks with one of their Digimon. It is my choice whether I choose to suspend one of my Digimon with Dramon or Examon to then force my opponent to attack. But I still I have a single source of opportunity. I have, okay, so my opponent raises, he, you know, looks at me, I say, no effect, and he continues his turn. And I don't know about uh, you guys, but I know for myself, it's something that having played other card games, uh, it you have that auto-response of, you know, uh, my opponent digivolves, and you say, yep, you, you, you that verbal acknowledgement of effect Maybe, you know, you're moving your memory marker and whatnot, but 
that habit was built in from playing card games that had interturn interaction, and therefore my opponent couldn't just go digivolve, 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 swing, because, okay, well, we'll stop, stop, stop. That first digivolve, I I'm going to kill it, you know, or something like that, where I'm, I'm going to play something that changes what you may or may not be doing or changes how the way you're, you want to be played. You know, something like a main delay of uh, maybe a cheaper version of something like a, you know, that new BT-11 Lilithmon or uh, Sakuyamon in, I want to be able to prevent you from OTKing me, but I don't want it to be very telegraphed or super deletable like a, just a Digimon is that can prevent that. So I can maybe invest five memory now, play the option card, and it just says delay all turns, give an opponent's Digimon minus three security attack, triggering whenever I feel like it. Or even if it's just on the opponent's turn, like when the opponent, like I, I kind of think. A I lot mean, I of guess these... it would have to be opponent's turn because giving them minus security on my turn wouldn't do a whole lot of good. Yeah. Like, I get where you're going with this, and it was, like, my first thought and knee-jerk reaction, too, is they could trigger certain delays during the opponent's turn uh, to be able to impact and affect what the opponent can do. I think the bigger crux of the issue is more from, like, long, drawn-out combos and OTK-based decks, because, like, usually those aren't necessarily super fun, um, because they all just end, like in a heartbeat where it's like okay i'm gonna slowly ramp up and then next thing you know i'm just gonna kill you next turn it's like what i i, I didn't I, I didn't do my thing yet it's like nope you don't get to do your thing uh that usually is the most one of the more field spatty moments um and again they're trying to add more defensive options into the game to prevent that i think like they could utilize the delay ability to trigger during the opponent's turn. I don't know if it's better to try to like have it be, I mean, when you use it, it's obviously going to be telegraphed, but I don't know if it's a better approach to have it be a mandatory trigger or an optional one. I think optional I, one. I think usually... it would have to be because that that's the whole point I'm trying to come across is that if my opponent, like, so ice wall is, is one of the earlier examples that we've seen, right? It can be played around. My opponent can do math. Like if they're Belga X, they can literally do math and be like, I win anyway. And then they do because you still, it, it just adds a, la a layer of difficulty to the combo, but that layer of difficulty should not be misconstrued with interaction. I just made it harder. I didn't stop them. Maybe sometimes it stops them, but ultimately if they could just pay the additional tax or create an additional body in the form of minus security, then they still do whatever they want to do regardless of me or my security or, you know, they're just going to blow away my security. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, usually giving players options is you is the best because thing. like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just the idea of how. The inclusion of choice on the players using side. I think will allow that second layer of depth, some uh, additional layer that we could explore to where maybe I have an option card that has, you know, my opponent's Digimon gets minus three security attack. And if I know that if I, my opponent raises and I pop it immediately and I give their Melga X minus three security, 
they potentially just change their line of play. Okay, I can't kill you this turn. I do something else. I digivolve up. I make a big blocker. But if I potentially allow you to do some amount of your combo, expend some amount of resources before, just kind of, you know, like a, a, a visual trap card. Because I think that's the mechanic that people are really avoiding here is my ability to tell you no from nowhere like a card in my hand that is that you don't know what it does can prevent you from doing something isn't as fun but you can look at my option card on the field you don't know when i'm going to use it but you know exactly what it does yeah that's that's fair um i do think it when like if they do decide to go that direction uh like tamers we would actually end up needing a way to be able to uh interact with delayed options um just because right now that is actually the only thing we can't do anything about outside mm -hmm. of like maybe a, set up a floodgate that prevents your option from uh, triggering like how Madoki Betamon stops most memory boosts from gaining memory. Well, that's just something Madoki yeah. Betamon does. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's like I don't want many more floodgates. I think like we already have a good healthy variety of them. Maybe put them in all colors, but I get why they don't. So that way there's like strengths and weaknesses to wanting to run each color um, and so on and so forth. But uh, I do think eventually we do need uh, delayed option interaction um, just because I could see like, oh, if they put like delay Gaia force, like spend 10 memory, draw a card, and then on the opponent's turn, just a Gaia force on command just sounds absolutely ballistic to me. Uh, yeah, you gave them a lot of memory. Uh, which is the trade-off, but um, just sometimes if they can't utilize that memory, it just doesn't matter, and then your card is overperforming um, versus the drawback that it should have been, which is giving the opponent too much memory to be able to play around it. Um, yeah, and while it still would then have different conditioning triggers, um, I think ultimately what you have to do is, is take the concept and... and use the examples that i provided and go beyond our initial uh targeted interpretation so like obviously something like a you know a sakuyamon for five or six or like taking sakuyamon's ability putting it on an option card giving it a delay whenever you want making it untouchable but still doing what you want it to do whenever you choose it to do it is something that security control would eat up in a heartbeat but also, I think, uh, in that same fashion, um, you could have, you know, maybe something that a more, like, not necessarily aggressive, but a more mid-range deck could run that would state, like, investing maybe more for having something ahead of time. So, the ability to invest in your future the same way that you do memboosts or other things, so you could have a delayed option card that could have a very similar effect as to some you know hand traps but again it, it's the, i think the, the the true nature comes from the fact that it would be entirely known information it's not do i start my combo and my opponent has effect failure in hand it's can i afford to bait out my combo or can i do this combo knowing he has an effect failure on the field that says it's an effect failure he can use it whenever he wants like so but in, in the same capacity, because I think there'd be a, a very healthy inclusion, because I know people also hate 
the idea of recovery, how you could have a, a very fair, very, you know, uh, interactable, safe option card that says, you know, delay, you know, three or four memory, you know, I, the, the, the actual costs and balancing is, I'm less concerned with, but the idea of just having a fully, you know, uh, activatable, uh, I just choose to pop it on maybe all turns, maybe opponent's turn, you know, for the layer of interaction we're actually describing here to prevent recovery. Like, you know, either could pop it on my turn if I'm being aggressive, or if my opponent decides to Magna Angemon and pass, well, I just made that, a, you know, you paid seven for nothing. Or if I think my opponent's going to combo, um, maybe he's, you know, has enough memory to, you know, slam a Magna Angemon, Digivolve into, you know, a, an Ofani fall down mode or, you know, something else. Like, I can just, you know, for the rest of the turn, you cannot recover. I've paid the memory for it. The effect is on the field. If you choose to attempt to recover, I can trigger, you know, prevent that recovery and all future recovery for the turn or something like that. I I almost think like an ability like that needs to be uh proactive and then have the all turns tag where it's just like during all turns pop this your opponent can't recover. So that way you when you know you're going to be using it on your turn um you can still do it and then uh during the opponent's turn like you would obviously like maybe uh attach some extra condition to it or something. I don't know. Uh, I would have to play with the wording and try to figure out a way to use it on both players' turns, so that way there's actual choice on how you could use it offensively and defensively, and that way you actually have a um, card that allows you to be versatile in the utility of it, uh, while still being able to interact in response to the opponent in some capacity. You know, because... Because I, I think there's there's really is a, a decent amount of design space available for something like that exactly where I I can use it to my if my opponent decides to play very passive and just holy wave and pass or you know digivolve something or they raise a Salomon and swing there are a hundred different instances where I would want to prevent my opponent's recovery or if I want to you know play more aggressively with it I could just you know, basically use it as a more expensive Congo, maybe not in the same colors either, maybe in the same colors, maybe it is a black option card for all I know. But I pop the I pop the boost, and now my lethal math is exact for the turn because of my effect that I've paid for on a previous turn, you know, again, more so than you would have paid for a Congo, but I, you know, I now can raise, pop the boost, or, you know, you know the, de the delay option card on my turn, and just my opponent has five security, I can deal five security damage and then swing for lethal, or my opponent has three security, whatever have you. And I can guarantee that I'm not going to hit a holy wave and then it messes with the math. I'm not going to hit, you know, a flame hell scythe and then it's going to play a Magda Angemon that's going to recover them one. Like, like, keep the security exact for a turn because, again, the, uh, the enemy of interaction is variance. And yeah. the ability to, like, publicly available information, publicly available states of game, and uh, we're now, I'm not, I'm still afraid of what your security has as far as you can still have kill cards, you can still have, I, I would try and make these as very niche, basically, because the more niche, I think, the better, because then they're not as generally playable. Yeah, because I was, like, thinking in my head of, like, uh, an option where it's just, like, okay, during... Um your turn like a delay option again 
uh, where it's like you it starts during all turns at the start of the main pop it to gain X effect. If it's during your turn, you gain X effect. If it's during Y uh, or during the opponent's turn, you gain Y effect. So like there's there's different evolutions on how they can approach with this mechanic to make it so that there is the ability to interact more than just what we currently have with our Digimon. Because we've seen evolutions of mechanics before, like uh, Blocker technically evolved to being a ability that you see only on specific stat line of Digimon, to being an ability that can now pass through Digimon's evolutions, being even evolved even further to being a redirect, where now you could pair up Blocker with redirect for even more defensive game plans. So there is ways for Digimon uh, that we currently have to add more interaction, but again, they need to approach it very slowly and very carefully, because if they just knee-jerk jump the gun on it, then it could, again, be very, very damaging for the game. Yeah, and I know we we kind of delved pretty deep into the, like, the one example, just because it was, I think, our best idea from our random spitballing of concepts. Um, but the idea of taking the, uh, the Bagra abilities and making them, A, not garbage, and B, uh, just more usable... Uh, I think is something that Digimon really kind of wants and will eventually uh, see success with, e even if like they, they slowly drip feed it in. Um, I haven't uh, looked in the last couple weeks. I know uh, EX4 has been, I think, completely spoiled at this point. Uh, uh, yes, it has been. If... I just wrapped up spoilers for it earlier this week. I don't know of any additional forays into interaction that it may have introduced. Are there any? Uh, no, the most, like, excruciatingly exciting cards, um, that add interaction is, like, more instances of security abilities. So we have something like Medieval Gallantmon, where it has a security ability where it comes in, then it has the on-play ability to do something. I really like those, uh, but I really like how they handled, uh, Medieval Gallantmon more tactfully, where the Digimon actually leaves. So he comes in, does his thing, and then leaves. And then goes into your hand afterward. Uh, before, we've just had them either just ignore battle and then just sits on the field and just is very menacing. Um, we've had it where it's just, okay, here's a mid-level Digimon that just sits on the field, gets its on playability, does something. So I do really like the idea of how they can handle security Digimon. Uh, outside of that, I don't really think... Oh, we had the Agumon experts. That was another thing. During the opponent's turn, when the opponent plays a Digimon with uh, the Agumon Expert from EX4, you get to reveal uh, a Digimon of the same level, and then you just recover, you just shove it into your security, basically recovering you one. So, like, that's something really spicy and interesting in terms of, like, added interaction into the game. Um, and then you have Fake Agumon Expert, which is doing something similar. Again, triggering during the opponent's turn. When they do a specific action, um, you get a basically discard a card and draw two a little less exciting than recovering one uh during the opponent's turn but it's still something uh then you have more on delete effects and the big one is um shine gray mon rune mode which is just another fog effect of minus 5000 and if you get the full spread of its abilities it's minus 10,000 on the opponent's field during their turn and your turn which is absolutely crazy uh or it can be yeah, uh, the Agumon Expert sounds interesting because 
again, by its wording, opponent's turn once per turn when your opponent plays a Digimon by revealing a card. I mean, it, it might play more literally to where my opponent plays the first Digimon, the effect is then forced to trigger, and then I either reveal a Digimon or I don't reveal a Digimon, and therefore the effect is over. But I, I do like a world where if you just change the interpretation of the text a little bit, where I have control over when this triggers, my opponent plays a Digimon, I choose not to activate Agumon Expert, so I don't have to kind of announce whether or not I'm going to, you know, maybe if I'm up against a deck where they could realistically play more than one Digimon in a turn. So I want them to play out more of their combo, I want them to overplay their hand, and then I want to play, you know, use the Agumon Expert ability to change the security math, potentially, you know, making them overextend their board state for me to recover uh, and, you know, get rid of it on the following turn. Yeah, and then uh, I know we normally don't go this far into the future um, when we're talking in this podcast, but usually, uh, well, in, in this case, uh, there's some really good examples in the future that are, like, kind of showing off more examples of interaction, like Seed Garurumon from uh, EX4, again, in all turns, once per turn, when a card is added uh, uh, to your opponent's hand by a card effect, if you have a tamer on the field, you get to return one of the opponent's level threes back to their hand. It really is like trying to uh, not necessarily punish the opponent for specific actions, even though that's kind of what the card seems to sound like, but it's adding layers of depth on how do I handle this type of an effect. He could choose to do that whenever he wants, almost. Again, we have to wait for the actual wording and the interpretation and all that stuff to come out with the FAQ. Uh, but regardless, like it's still... You're, it's still added instances of being able to interact with the opponent during their turn as well. Um, and drawing is a very common thing, so it's not like that's a very hard ability to trigger. Uh, same thing with Victory Greymon being the counterpart. Uh, all turns, once per turn, when an opponent's Digimon is deleted. So, failed security check. Oh, hey, this is triggering my Victory Greymon now. If you have a Tamer, delete one of the opponent's Digimon with the highest DP. Like, again, that's pretty good. Um, and it's added interaction. Again, that interaction is more specifically tied to security, but who knows? They could be playing a purple deck, use a card that deletes their own Digimon, thus triggering Victory Grandmon's ability. Like, I like these types of cards where it's like, yes, they're very niche case uses, uh, but most of the time the card has a built-in way to use it during your turn that's effective during your turn. And then if it just so happens to be online during the opponent's turn, that's just the bonus. Yeah. Um, and I know I've come up with fewer examples or ideas for uh, what I you could use in potentially an aggressive deck or in a non-control fashion of interaction, because that also exists. Um, I know something we've brought up in the past that we still, like, I, I see really no way to translate into at all uh, for Digimon, just due to, like, the changes in the mechanical game state, but... The idea of something like a burn in Digimon, because that's that's an aggressive form of interaction where I am just objectively playing a card to remove your life total, and that's my game plan is to okay you know or I guess like as an example like if if my opponent is out of security there would be an option card that would be like you know this option card declares an attack you know applying all functions of an attack or this declares an attack treated as a 
level three Digimon with 3000 DP or whatever. Just basically like, oh, you can swing for lethal with this option card, you know, but that that's not something they would ever implement. And that's a really bad idea. But the idea being that you could remove life, not just by burning security, because again, security is inherently a resource um, in the way that life is. Um, but also, like security is treated the same across the spectrum, and that's what, what makes it harder to translate something like burn into. Because obviously, uh, something like burn, you've you know your really good examples is like lightning bolt, three damage for one memory or mana, or you know you're more balanced. There's like two for two or three for two, and um, you're a whole bunch of in between or like you'd have you know cards that you basically could ping your opponent down with you know you'd have a a one mana or two mana creature that you would play that would also on play deal one damage to something so i could either destroy a low level opponent creature or a, a, a cheap opponent's creature if it has a one toughness i could just pop that or i could just hit my opponent in the face for one and then now their life is lower i'm closer to beating them and aggressive decks really play with that math and really get involved in that because the especially the better players really understand those systems and they know okay i know exactly i can afford to ping down this creature because this creature will ultimately continuously swing over my my creatures or block because everything is blocker in magic but and now i can't afford for that creature to hang around if i'm going to actually win the game Versus sometimes uh, you can't afford to get rid of it. You kind of just have to go for face. And is if you use all of your cards and all of your resources to get there, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's kind of where Yu-Gi-Oh! is, where it's just like you create a board state, throwing away almost your entire hand most of the time to try to just set up something that the opponent's just like, okay, you're either going to break this or you're going to lose by this. And Yu-Gi-Oh! literally is defined by its first two turns. And then after that, if there's even a victor at that point, somebody usually concedes because there's, like, no feasible way the game actually continues because most of the time, if you don't have a card to, like, retain hand, uh, you just are top-decking and then Yu-Gi-Oh! becomes, like... It's already one of the worst games in my perspective, uh, but it becomes even more worse. Uh, and then you're just hoping drawing into, like, a combo starter or combo opener. Um, but, like... That's where Digimon is just a different beast is like all of these games are just treating the way they're interacting with the opponent differently. Magic has a resource system that you could choose to either save during the opponent's turn or use during your turn. Yu-Gi-Oh has zero resource system, so you just do whatever the heck you want. And then uh, Digimon has this memory system where it's supposed to be designed to have a nice tug and war back and forth on how much I'm giving you versus how much you're giving me. Um, and there's just still a lot of flexibility to be able to do different things with the resources available. Um, like going back to just some of the other EX4 examples, because again, EX4 seems to really be the set that's trying to help do a lot of interaction with the opponent, like on delete effects, um, on delete effects, alternate effects. These are very common things that are starting to be more normalized in this set, more specific, uh, because we have something like Ravenmon, where it's like, on delete, if the opponent has eight or more cards in their hand, trash one card from their hand. If they have seven or less cards from their hand, 
The opponent adds the top card of their security stack to their hand. Like, these are, and that's a on-delete effect, so whether my end-of-attack effect to kill my own Ravenmon succeeds or not doesn't matter. Like, if you kill it, it's going to trigger, and not all decks have the ability to just, no, you, this is going to get rid of the body and not kill it. Uh, that's, like, more color dynamics, and that's the type of, like, gameplay and interactions that I kind of am enjoying is like, okay, do I play red because it deletes or do I not play red because I don't want to delete? But is my opponent going to play purple because of their deletes or is my opponent going to not play purple because they're afraid of this? Like that's just the meta dynamic that forms from these types of systems that are in place and the levels of different interactions that we already have and could possibly gain in the future. So another card that uh, to highlight is something like Mercurymon. That again is another card that forces the opponent's Digimon to attack. So if you just have a line of blockers, like you're forcing the opponent at a bad state to do something, and then you're utilizing the blocker mechanic or the redirect mechanic to uh, more effective degrees than it normally has been. So there's just a lot going on, and uh, we're obviously going to be getting more uh, different types of interactions depending on what kind of mechanics they're going to be going for, and the evolution of some mechanics. Yeah. Um, just one one last thing. I know we're we're kind of wrapping up now, but um, I, I feel like I uh, would be uh, missing something if I didn't mention one of my like favorite forms of interaction, especially in Magic. One of my favorite cards, period, is uh, on Thoughtseize specifically, and how uh, there's a Aristic Studies video you can watch and it, it he does an entire like uh video essay on why Thoughtseize is such a great card and what it does for the game and why it probably shouldn't be legal in a lot of formats too but like just <laughs> how the one card just completely changed is a metagame you know and so for those unfamiliar Thoughtseize is a a one mana card that and this is this isn't even inner turn interaction right this is just interaction cuz you know there is interaction but there's it doesn't have to be on my opponent's turn. Just something that another method with with which me to play and manipulate with my opponent's resources. So, you know, for one for one black mana on my turn, sorcery. So, so just I have to cast it on my turn. Um, target player reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-land card from it because again, land is mana for them. Uh, that player discards that card and then you lose two life. So I'm paying something. I'm paying the, the literal mana for it. So if I'm playing it on turn one, that's my whole turn. And uh, I'm losing two life. I'm paying, you know, one-tenth of my life. Um, yeah, but life in magic is also partially a resource, too. Yeah, but so, but you're paying for it. But the point is is that it, it, it means two things. And it's it's also why I've, I've gone on the record. I love, you know, the yellow TK so much. And it's one of my favorite cards in Digimon because it's, a, it's access to information. Because not only do I get to get rid of potentially the best card in your hand usually the the best card in your hand the card that is most detrimental to me so if i'm you know if this is a card that exists in digimon i'm getting rid of your promo metal garubermon or your not pro, promo um garubermon i'm getting rid of your um your your premier level six i'm getting rid of your uh level seven if you're playing something like uh alphamon I'm getting rid of your most important card basically every time or just the best card that you have. If I see you have a handful of threes and one four, I can get rid of the four and maybe now you can't go into the rest of your hand. But uh, more importantly, what this does is it gives me the information of 
I now know what's in your hand, at least from the start. So the complete the entire nature of the game changes from turn one, if I play it on turn one, because now I'm forfeiting my first... I lose a card, you lose a card, but now I also know the rest of your hand. And I lose two life, which is, again, as I need to mention, pretty inconsequential. But it uh, changes the way that I play the game for the rest of the game, and it plays the way that you play the game for the rest of the game, assuming that you understand the value that I have just gained by not only getting rid of potentially your best card, but also now I know exactly what you have in your hand. And that's what made uh, BT10 Omnimon X Antibody so good is because he allows you to look at the opponent's security and literally take the best card and just yeet it out of there. And then you have uh, the known knowledge of whatever is actually going to be in the rest of your security. Most of the time, though, they're just going to use that card as a kill card just to say, oh, you have one card in security left? Cool. It doesn't exist anymore. I swung for the game. Uh, Gallantmon does mm -hmm. something similar, and Beelzemon X Antibody, whenever we get that, is, again, going to do something very similar to that. So there is kind of this burn dynamic to uh, Digimon that they're slowly adding, uh, but it's just a safer way of saying this card has security attack plus whatever. Um but at the same time, it's not because then it doesn't trigger certain abilities like Venusmon. Um, but one thing, uh, going back to the whole Thoughtseize idea that we don't really have a whole lot of is uh, Discard. I think literally we have like maybe three, four cards right now that actually have the ability to make the opponent lose cards from their hand. Uh, most of the time it's their choice because their hand is so large. Like if I'm sitting there with a hand of 25 and my opponent asks me, oh, I'm going to now look at your entire hand. Is that actually going to matter? And then like, there's, there's just certain points in Digimon where it's just like, okay, let me just get rid of something I don't need and move on. Uh, that's why I thought something like, um, uh, Golfmon was pretty interesting where it just everything gets reduced both players their hand size down to five like that could be pretty brutal for certain decks um even though it's not that great of a card it's it's just something fun to think about um and i know there's a lot of like players who like playing these discard and mill based strategies because mill like milling the opponent is something a lot of players tend to enjoy as well even though sometimes there's not fun aspects of it either um, just trying to attack their deck to deprive them of the resource before they could even get it. That is also something that we don't really have a whole lot of. Right now, the best instance that we have it on is uh, Damon and, or sorry, Creepymon um, and um, Gallopmon, um in terms of the Megidramon stuff, where it's just like, okay, both players trash the top two. Um, that could be pretty brutal if you trash, like, their tech one of that they really are hoping that they need and was trying to dig for, or their win condition that they're only running like one or two copies of, and you know one's already in their security, um, or from their security in their trash. Like, there's just a lot of different dynamics that those control type elements uh, that Digimon really has yet to explore at great depth to add to the diversity of how we could approach and play Digimon. Yeah. Ultimately, the idea being that uh, the fewer spaces that remain untouchable or inaccessible, uh, the better, even if it makes them prohibitively expensive or difficult to interact with. Um, like, I, I don't think there should be a whole lot of cards that force you to discard or that allow you to look at your opponent's hand or that trash cards from security or that look at your opponent's security. And um, 
these cards should all be limited in scope and potentially uh, limited specifically to certain color identities. I know um, we have a previous discussion about that and what color identities mean to Digimon and how we kind of want them to remain as such. But, um, or even potentially in certain aspects, if they want to go more of the archetypical route, you could maybe have uh, an archetype based around these uh, either sources of knowledge or sources of accessibility. Um, like Black War Greymon kind of has a tribal theme of kill tamers, um, even though it's not necessarily restricted to the colors or to the to the tribal aspect of it. There are other cards that kill tamers. Um, it, 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 most of it is still uh, holed up within the Black War Greymon line. Uh, just the idea that they could they could introduce these they could be, be something that you could potentially be up against that will at least influence your decisions as far as to um should i play this specific card should i play this specific deck if i'm a deck that runs you know maybe a very greedy level six lineup and but i have a lot of filter i have a lot of search uh and i can kind of rip through my deck and find that you know one or two of level seven or level six that i need but my opponent is running a an archetype that is focused upon uh, discarding or searching through my security and getting rid of cards that way. And that will change those game plans and change those interactions and just develop the game in a healthier manner that is hopefully less reliant upon variants. Because I think something that universally the, the, the people want to play the card game, you know, is that the better player should win a majority of the time and um they generally do uh if anyone pays attention to like top 16s more than just the decks and actually look at players names sometimes you'll see a couple of names reappear now and again uh in top 16 uh sometimes a couple of times in a particular format uh but the game does have a decent amount of skill expression and uh as nako said with um less variants comes these more skillful based choices and decisions to allow the better player to be able to win more often than not. So ultimately the goal would be to look forward and see what ways that the game could be expanded upon and hopefully these could be introduced in a healthy manner because again I I'm okay with the way things are now. I'm okay with the way the card game is right now. And something I wouldn't want to see is for them to introduce something uh, haphazardly or as a knee-jerk reaction. Um, I also don't want them to necessarily like restrict something due to you know a, a short run of successes. I know uh, Melga has been around for a while now, and maybe people are starting to you know grow tired of it. But um, while you know Cross Hearts kind of you know died before it could live. It potentially could have been a fair deck, you know, especially with something like Black War Greymon coming in BT11 that just kind of says you can't play Tamer-based decks, which is also, I think, the far end of the spectrum from where we are now to where if a, a, a certain mechanic or a certain archetype of cards are so restricted that you just, oh, I can't play any Tamer-based deck because Black War Greymon will absolutely body me, that's also not a fun place to be in where you want to date dig into this niche strategy and play it but one deck just absolutely stonewalls you out of existence 
Yeah, and the more powerful that one deck is, unfortunately, the more polarizing that is right now. So again, going back to uh, what I mentioned earlier, the reason, one of the big reasons why we haven't seen a lot of Grandis success and a lot of uh, Jespon success is in the fact that Metal Gurumon is the top deck. Uh, part of it is also security control is another top deck, and those decks uh, tend to struggle against it because they don't have enough room to run counterattack for security control. Granted, if you're Grannis and you're doing that, then you're making your matchups worse against Belgaruman. So, like, it's just a no-win situation to put yourself in just because of the top deck being the way it is. But, unfortunately, that's just the subsequent uh, side effects of how a meta develops, and, like, that's why certain decks tend to do well because of just how that meta is formed around the perceived top few decks. So, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's episode. I hope you guys appreciated the discussion. Uh, Zenitsu and I like having these kinds of discussions on ways that we want to maybe improve the card game or ideas we have as far as directions things could go. Um, I know the meta is kind of over with for the most part. Uh, there aren't any major events for a while, so... This is kind of the opportunity that Zidits and I are going to take to go over these kinds of topics. So if you guys have anything that you think you'd want us to see or uh, talk about more, uh, feel free. I know we still have the the deep dives we're planning on doing. We just really want to make sure that those are done well. Um, so we, we have to, we're trying to get as much information we have uh, as possible before we attempt those. But uh, thank you for sticking around for the end of the video, and I apologize for my brief absence. Yep, and then as always... We still want to address viewer questions uh, for some of the uh, questions that don't necessarily need to have a full topic, and we always appreciate your interaction. And with that, goodbye. Peace, and happy holidays.